Hey there, my name is Rachel Sun. If you haven't heard yet, I'm the new city and schools reporter for the Bodder County Daily Bee. So I thought I'd spend a few minutes today just introducing myself for those of you who don't know me. So to start off with, I started here on September 14th. I grew up near Pullman, Washington, which is where Washington State University is. I was surrounded by wheat fields my whole life. And I actually went to WSU. So I graduated from the Edward R. Murrow College of Communication at WSU uh, this spring. And I spent my summer in Pullman, and then I heard about a job for the city and schools reporting position at the Bonner County Daily Bee, and I decided, hey, that sounds pretty cool. I think I'm going to apply. And lo and behold, they decided to hire me, so here I am now. And I've been working here since September 14th. I moved here almost exactly a year after my friend Dylan Green, who's the sports editor, moved here for work. So it's been nice to have a friend, and uh, it's been really nice getting to know everyone here in Sandpoint. You know, folks at the school districts and the city, uh, specifically Gerilyn Meyer, uh, she's been awesome. She's a post-secondary transition counselor at Sandpoint High School, and Mary at the city (laughs) have been super helpful, so thank you both. Also, just, you know, getting to know all the people through my reporting and my sources has been really fun. I got to do a feature on this new chili stand near where I work called Chili Bees. And, you know, Gary and Amanda, the owners, are awesome. (laughs) And I've been stopping by there for chili since then. So, yeah, it's been really fun. I've been having a great time getting to know the people here and getting to know the issues, and I'm just super grateful for the opportunity. So today I thought I would read to you one of my favorite articles that I've written so far. When I'm not busy covering city government or our local school boards, I've been picking up some other stories along the way. And this is in large part thanks to my predecessor, Ali DeAngelis. She had started work for a story about a nonprofit called Firewood Rescue, but she wasn't able to finish it before she left. So I picked up where she left off with some of her interviews and sources and got it written up. And it was really cool to learn about because it's something that a lot of you listeners out there would probably like to know about, especially as we move into the colder months. Basically, Firewood Rescue is a nonprofit that takes donated wood, chops it up, and delivers it to homes in need of firewood. Over the last couple of years, they've helped a lot of people in the area keep their homes warm in the winter, which, as anyone who lives here knows, can get pretty harsh. And one thing I really appreciated about it was that it gave me kind of an opening into learning about the community here and seeing kind of the best parts of that community, uh, the way that people help each other. One thing I found interesting about this was that I learned a lot of the volunteers are seniors and a lot of them 
are doing this because they have time now that they aren't working full-time jobs. That was a really interesting thing for me to learn. And of course, you know, some of them said it would be cool to have younger volunteers. But uh, beyond the fact that it's really cool these older folks who could just be relaxing and enjoying their retirement are volunteering. It was neat to me because I got to learn more about the volunteer community as a whole in Sandpoint, and I got to, you know, learn about what drives people to do this kind of work. So without further ado, here is my article on Farwood Rescue. It was about a year ago when donations from strangers helped Jesse Ross keep his home warm when the power went off, he said. A resident of the Hoodoo Valley, Ross was injured in a motorcycle accident during the 1960s. I've been disabled since then, he said. It makes it hard for me to get my own wood. I used to, but I'm 79 years old now. Ross lives far away from town, about halfway between Spirit Lake and Lake Kokolala in the boondocks, as he calls it, and he prefers it there. But sometimes, he said, the power will come and go. Usually, Ross uses an oil heater to keep warm, he said. But when the power shuts off, the oil heater doesn't work, and he relies on firewood. So when Ross started running out of wood and was unable to collect more himself last year, he turned to Firewood Rescue, a nonprofit that delivers firewood to those in critical need. Within a few days, Ross said, the volunteers brought close to a cord of wood and more after that. Walt Dietrich, one of the volunteers, brought his personal wood splitter to help. We would have had some cold days last year if they didn't help us out, Ross said. Later on, Ross said, he called FWR on behalf of his grandson who was injured in a car accident. They immediately went and helped him too, he said. I call them the Wood Angels how it began. Paul Krams, the founder of FWR, said he never imagined how much his little operation would grow when, in 2018, he started delivering firewood to locals in need. At first, Krams said he had been helping a friend, Larry Peterson, with some firewood deliveries for veterans. But he soon learned of more people in need who didn't meet that criteria. People who knew me contacted me and were in desperate need of firewood, Krams said. We arranged a couple of deliveries, and I started to think I wanted to expand the outreach to seniors and disabled and seriously ill people that were in dire shape. Now a registered nonprofit, Firewood Rescue has over 50 volunteers and about 20 regulars who show up every week to help, Krim said. This year, the operation grew 10, maybe 20-fold, he said. When someone is down and out, the community just rallies. You don't find that everywhere. Every Saturday and some weekdays, Krams and the other volunteers at FWR meet to prep the wood stores that will be delivered to locals in need. In one video Krams took of the operation, the sound of sawing and clattering wood being stacked fills the air. About a dozen people cut, split, and stack wood with multiple cords already piled behind them. All this summer, that's what Krams did every Saturday, he said. He and the other volunteers would work from morning until around 1 p.m. when it got too hot to continue. That work continues into fall as the volunteers prepare for winter. The Volunteers 
Despite the manual nature of the work, many of the volunteers at FWR are retired seniors, Krim said. Most of the core crew are in their 60s or 70s. Ralph Merrick, a retired nurse, said he likes to have a hands-on way to help in addition to making donations. I have some charities I throw money at, he said. I was looking for something to actually physically do. Several of the volunteers said they appreciate the chance to give back and the camaraderie they share. And for those that deliver, dropping off needed firewood makes a lasting impression. Brennan Dunn, who volunteers with his wife Renee, said as a veteran he's often charged with dropping off loads for other veterans. Sometimes folks can be proud, he said. I've been kind of known to just drop it off. In one case, Dunn said, he had to work to convince a Vietnam veteran who had no wood left to accept the delivery. After a cup of coffee and talking to him for a bit, Dunn said, this gentleman was very insistent on helping, even though it slowed the process a little bit. In another case, a man had been injured in a mill accident and was having trouble making ends meet. The man had young daughters, Dunn said, and roughly half a load of wood for one fire. I was able to bring a couple weeks' worth, he said. It felt really good being able to make sure those little girls didn't get cold. Dunn said he and his wife often bring their three youngest sons to help volunteer. Kids are either the best or the worst of us, he said. Being able to foster that in my kids is very, very important to me. FWR volunteer Kathy Kelly said she understands personally how hard it can be to collect firewood. I've been in a home where we heated with wood in the past, she said. I know how labor-intensive collecting your own firewood can be. The work has a way of bringing out the best in people, she said. On one delivery with Dietrich, some neighborhood boys came by and offered to help with the wood. After, she said, Dietrich took some dollar bills from his wallet and handed them to the boys. We're volunteering, and that gentleman took out of his own pocket to give to those young men, she said. That struck me. The Organization Eileen Esplin, a board member, volunteer, and coordinator for FWR, began working with the organization a year and a half ago, splitting and stacking wood. Because of her expertise in administrative work, Esplin, now 71, is the coordinator in charge of keeping updated lists of volunteers and equipment, coordinating drop-offs, and vetting potential recipients. Some criteria the program considers is whether the household has children, a person with a disability, public assistance and food assistance the household currently receives, whether firewood is a primary heat source, and, this year, whether the household's income has been impacted by COVID-19. FWR works on a case-by-case basis, Esplin said, and will generally deliver as far as volunteers are willing and able to go. We've delivered to Newport and Old Town, and we've delivered south of Athol and everywhere in between, she said. We're much more interested in meeting people's needs than where they live. FWR receives donations from the Rotary Club of Sandpoint, Cramp said, whose members often volunteer. The nonprofit also works with Community Action Partnership and often gets referrals for residents who fall just outside the criteria for the organization's energy assistance and firewood programs, Cram said.
Because FWR focuses on emergency firewood supplies, it's also common for the volunteers to also refer firewood recipients to CIP to make sure their needs are met long term. What happens after, Crame said. I think we're failing a bit if we don't provide that resource. Ongoing need. FWR gets continual offers for wood donations, Crame said. Although sometimes they must turn down offers of wood that are too difficult to cut or collect, log decks of seasoned wood that are accessible to trucks and trailers are preferred, he said. Right now, FWR is also in dire need of tarps as the rainy season approaches, Crame said. A single long tarp can cost about $50, and much of the organization's funding goes back into maintenance and repair for equipment or reimbursing volunteers' gas money. A lot of the volunteers just say, I'm good, no thank you. But some of the volunteers, they're on fixed incomes, he said. So we just want to make sure that we reimburse that. The organization is always looking for more volunteers and is in need of those with insured trailers in good condition to haul wood, Esplin said. Almost anyone can help in some way, Dunn said. If all you've got is a strong back, there's someone with a truck. If you've got a truck, there's someone with a strong back, he said. Those wishing to volunteer or learn more can email Firewood Rescue at firewoodrescue2020 at gmail.com. So that was my story. Thank you again, Allie, for letting me take over the article you started and all the legwork that you got started for me. I really appreciate it. I hope you've enjoyed today's 7B podcast and that you'll join us again next week. From the Bonner County Daily Bee, I'm Rachel Sun.